You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. That famous quote by the extraordinary Maya Angelou is exactly why I speak. It's why I tell my story and mix education around the topics of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy with motivation, inspiration, and purpose. So when you're looking for your next keynote or breakout session speaker, reach out. Find me at my website, jshiffman.com, and I promise you, your employees, your group members, the students at your school, everybody will come away having learned something. And that's how we create change. Reach out today. Spread love. Choose your struggle. Hello and welcome to another Monday Motivation episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Great to be with you all. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 5th. Uh, I am incredibly full. I just celebrated my second dose of the vaccine by grabbing a cheesesteak down the street. And it was fantastic. Uh, it, you know, some stereotypes are true. And <laughs> Philadelphia doing the cheesesteak right is definitely one of them. So super uh, <laughs> thankful that I got my second shot and super thankful that I got to eat a delicious cheesesteak at like 11 in the morning to celebrate because, you know, you only get that second shot once. And to celebrate, I, I did that and grabbed some lottery tickets at the CVS I got my shot at because, you know, I was feeling lucky that that second shot feeling, you know. Now, as the name of this episode suggests, we're talking the cannabis industry today and, and specifically a major problem in it. So the reason I wanted to talk about this is, is that, you know, as I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm doing a special Monday episode coming up with Kyle Blanks. We're, we're going to talk about his experience working in the industry, uh, the both the, the good and the bad, and, and my thoughts are on cannabis and how he's been helpful for me. I'm actually growing a couple of, of crops. Uh, right now, they're very little. They're, they're just uh, two little baby flowers in, 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 uh, in, a, in pots. Um, but it's exciting. It's fun just to, to, to work on this project with his help, which has been been great. But what we're talking about today is a major problem. And, and I want to say that that this problem, there is no black and white solution here. And, and I, I use that term tongue in cheek with what I'm discussing today. But not every person in the industry is good. Not every person in the industry is bad. Not all of the people that I'm kind of demonizing in today's episode is bad. Some of them are doing really great things uh, with their cannabis business. You know, um, that the people who I've been reading about some incredible uh, cannabis businesses in, in California who have kind of banded together to fight um, the, the, the businesses that have come in and tried to jack up prices uh, by keeping theirs lower. So props to people like that. So it's not a simple thing, uh, but, I, but of course, with these episodes, I talk about it at a 30,000-foot level, and so it, it, it can come off that way, and I want to make it clear that I'm not, I'm not thinking that or saying that. But there is a giant problem in the cam- cannabis industry, and it, it is namely this. For the longest time, you know, obviously, cannabis has been le- illegal in, in states um, until the 90s with California and slowly other ones since. It's still illegal at the federal level. And 
there's a lot of negatives, obviously, that come with that. But it also means that those who are able to get into this field are generally ones with connections, with money already on hand, and money to play around with. And let me explain where my, my show my work on that. So uh, I've been working with my own personal banking advisors re- recently trying to get more into cannabis, and it's been almost impossible because uh, bank national banks are still reluctant to get involved because it's illegal on the federal level. Now, this is a, a bit of a double-edged sword because it means people like me who are, who are trying to get involved with good companies, it's very hard for me to invest. Uh, my, my bank won't help me out. I have to go around them. It also means uh, that the people who are able with with millions of dollars who can say to their bankers, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do and basically either make this happen or get out of the way, are still able to play in this arena. And you're seeing that when it comes to the companies who are getting these licenses, who are uh, the, the, at the forefront of this industry, are namely ones that already had a lot of money. Now, obviously, that's not every single person. Again, I want to be very clear about this. I am not saying everyone. I'm saying majorities, very large portions. Now, let's let's think about who those people are. These are people with a lot of money. We know how money is made in this country. It's you know, capitalism is uh, it's very easy to predict. And what's so disappointing about this? is that the people who the anti-cannabis laws have always targeted are black and brown. You know, there was a big New York Times article a couple weeks ago about how even as the state was moving towards legalization, New York <clears throat> New York still was targeting um, low-level uh, users mostly and, and sometimes dealers in, in cannabis roundups, um, 97% of those who were targeted over the last year for cannabis uh, prosecution were black. And in, in New York, and that's just mind bogglingly, mind bogglingly awful. Now, all of a sudden, these places are switching to allowing this, you know, and, and we're coming towards national legalization. But it's not we're not there yet, but states are doing this. And, and of course, who are the people making these profits? They're mostly rich white people. So you have this war on drugs that for a long time has made it, I mean, has demonized, has, has, has destroyed entire generations of mostly black and brown people in this country. And overnight, in some cases, literally in New York, it's still happening, and yet we're already seeing really wealthy white people become even more wealthy for the exact same thing. In fact, if you're trying to say that cannabis is is you know something that needs to be controlled, and that's why you're rounding up these people with a, a gram of cannabis, which is nothing if you don't smoke, here is someone who's who has so much or is investing in so much a billion times more than that, you know, millions of times more than that. And they're not only avoiding prosecution, they're they're making a lot of money off this. Take it a step further. So in a lot of states, you still have to get, you know, these licenses like you do in in, in 
you know, for liquor, liquor licenses, who, as with anything, gets those licenses? It's people either A, have connections, or B, can hire someone to do that for them, to, to lobby on their behalf. Now, who is that? <laughs> it's rich white people. Take it in another step farther. This was a story in the Times today. Now, let's say you get all of that, okay? And in some cases, that process can take years. L- literally, they were interviewing people where it took two years. That whole time, you have to have a location already picked out and ready because when you get that license, you have to show them that, that you got this location ready. Now, number one, who can who has enough money in this country to sit on real estate in an expensive city like New York City and do nothing with it for two years? Rich white people. Okay, another another step. There is a stigma still against cannabis. This this article again, this article did a great job of laying this out, where there were a lot of people who still would not rent to cannabis industries because they didn't want the the stigma associated with it. Who is able to, number one, grease those wheels? Rich people in this country, that's mostly white people. And number two, who also faces stigma when trying to rent in this country? Black and brown people. So you've got a double hit against anyone trying to get in this industry in many places who is black for, number one, not just the the, the sheer wall of trying to get into it in the first place, is, is almost overcomable. And the second, if you do get past that, you have to find the location, sit on it for maybe years, losing a bunch of money, and get over the racism that, that occurs in, in rental properties for, for black and brown citizens of this country. So <laughs> it's not surprising there are some places where the very sort of early studies have shown that even places that set aside some of these licenses for for minority owned businesses are still finding that they can't fill them. Why? Because of these issues. You can say, great, this 30%, in some cases, they're even, it's that high. They're saying, we're going to hold back 30%. And those laws are incredible. I'm not trying to minimize them. In fact, applause. Uh, New York was looking at doing that. I think I read Virginia. I might have been wrong there. But there are states that are trying to hold back some of these licenses for minority-owned businesses. That's awesome because most places did not do that. But if you hold back these licenses and then – still make people play the same game, ignoring systemic racism. <laughs> At that point, you're basically doing lip service. And that's why when, you know, they they, they did this quick study to see how those places even were, were doing, nine out of 10 were still white-owned businesses, the same rich white people who, who, in fact, a lot of them own in many states at this point. So this is a major problem. You know, we're persecuting entire generations of some some citizens in this country, uh, you know, 99% black and brown, basically kind of doing lip service and then turning around and doing the same thing we always do, saying, hey, rich white guy, come here, this is for you. And then, and then we have the nerve, to, <laughs> some of our leaders have the nerve to be like, well, see, it's on an equal level now. Everyone's Everyone's getting the same break. It's just, it's such a problem. So 
what can we do about it? A couple things. Not a lot. I mean, that's that's the, the simple truth. There's not a lot, but there are a couple things. Number one, talk. If, if you have connections to legislators, talk to them. Uh, I suggest if you don't, following groups like Drug Policy Alliance and, and similar organizations that, you know, I get an email a week from them saying, hey, fill out this form and it will send something to your, your you know, congressmen, your, your state senators, all that kind of stuff to support these ideas. And they're always these things. They're always like, hey, you've done this a great thing already. We want to pat you on the back, but also here are another 30 that you need to do if you want to actually see this succeed. So do that. Keep your eye out for those. Number two, uh, put your money where your mouth is, is is too easy of a way to say it because it's hard to do, right? I mean, we don't know. You could go to a, 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 a white-owned uh, marijuana dispensary and not know that their supplier was black, right? So it's really hard to do that. But in the show notes of this episode, I'm pulling it up right now, I have a link it's called conscious, excuse me, conscious consumption, a hundred black owned cannabis businesses to support right now. So check that out. Um, that's, that's a really easy way. Just, I mean, support those businesses help, help them get going, help them keep going. Uh, that's, that's super important. And number three is just talk about this stuff, right? You know, um, as I said, I've been trying to get more involved in cannabis on a financial level. I am a little bit Personally, um, like I said, my bankers are being making it more difficult. They just they just are, uh, and so my family is having conversations about this. And these are the conversations you need to have. You know, when the easy answer is, "Hey, here's my buddy's business." You know, they're there. We can invest with them. You know, first time. I'm not saying don't do that because we should invest in all cannabis right now. We need to see this succeed. That being said, spread that wealth around. You know, if your buddy's business is another rich white guy named Chet, say, yeah, let's do that. But let's also split it down the middle. Here's an incredible black-owned business that I found. Let's support them too. So you have to be conscious of this. You have to be intentional about this. Uh, and it's not easy. I'm not saying it is. I am saying it is possible. Uh, and and the, the cannabis train has left the station. So, so trying to get ahead of it ain't going to happen. That being said, it's not too late to jump on and support in, in a positive way. Um, let me know what you think as always. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the feedback, uh, props to everyone who has already gotten a sticker and a magnet. There's more. <laughs> so respond to this. Tell me what you think. If you disagree with me, I'd love to hear it. If you agree and you're going to do something, um, I'll tell you what, if you are, if you agree with me, and you are going to take steps on this, let me know and I will send you extra swag. Uh, depending on what it is, if it's something incredible, I may even send you a tank top. So um, check that out. And by the way, obviously tank tops are still available. I've got some left. If you're interested, uh, check out the website, email me, do all the things. Um, but, but choose your struggle and, and have a great week.